Welcome and greetings, career-minded superstars. You are listening to the exclusive Career Coach, your podcast for all things career. And I'm Lisa Edwards, the indispensable career coach for superstars just like you. Now let's dig into this week's topic, shall we? Go from dragging yourself to work each day to finding a job you love. The Career Spring program is for high-achieving and ambitious mid-level professionals like you who are looking for a job that uses your zone of genius, recognizes your value, and pays you what you're worth. If you're ready to learn more, schedule a complimentary consult using the link to my calendar in the show notes. Be sure to follow me on Exclusive Career Coaching on Facebook, Lisa Edwards on LinkedIn, and Lisa.Edwards on Instagram. Greetings. How's it going, folks? Hey, reminder, I have these free monthly masterclasses. They are one-hour webinars that I encourage you to sign up for. We we cover a variety of job search topics each month. They're always on the third Thursday of the month at 4 o'clock Eastern. So if you want to sign up or learn more about this month's topic, check out the link in the show notes. Today's topic is how to work around a debilitating boss. And notice I did not call it a toxic boss. I think we're using the term toxic too frequently. I belong in a women's group where I'm a VIP and I help other people with career-related questions. And it seems like every other question in there is I'm in a toxic work environment. I have a toxic boss. I have a toxic coworker. And I did a, a session, an episode a few months ago about the term toxic and and kind of what defines a toxic work environment. And I think that if we really believe that everyone who said that their work environment or their boss was toxic, we'd be in a, a big mess and we can argue that maybe we are. But I think that many people are using the term as a way to kind of absolve themselves from any responsibility for the situation that maybe they have helped to create or helped to foster. So I want to really get clear on that. So the definition of debilitating I looked up was causing serious impairment of strength or ability to function. So in essence, the word indicates a temporary impairment or a condition of weakness or helplessness. And the dictionary.com defines toxic as causing unpleasant feelings, harmful or malicious. So here's what I take away from those two definitions. Toxic is often malicious in neighbor in, in nature, and that indicates that the boss is doing things on purpose or whoever you're saying is toxic. Perhaps the, the leaders of your organization are doing things on purpose to create a toxic work environment, and the results are often harmful to the people involved. Debilitating, in my mind, from reading those definitions means that your boss is somehow impairing your ability to do your job. You're kind of in a weak or helpless position. So he or she is is not facilitating your success on the job, but rather kind of hindering it. So clearly, I think you can see that there's a a fair amount of overlap between what we might call toxic and debilitating. So I don't want to focus on, you know, is this is this boss behavior more toxic or more debilitating? But let's instead focus on bad boss behavior and what you can do about it. So I want to try to get you into a more position of power here, a position of control. One thing I learned from my years in the workforce is that both as an employee and as a boss, I've, I've been both for many years, most bosses aren't intentionally terrible at their jobs. 
in many cases, they just haven't been trained in their role as a boss. And I can personally attest to that. When I was put into my first leadership role in higher education, I was thrown, I felt like in many ways I was thrown under the bus. And I'm not trying to speak ill of my employer, and I won't mention which place I was at. But what I will say was I was given an employee to manage, I was given a department to manage, and then evaluated initially rather negatively on my efforts in that area. And I felt it felt unfair because I was I had no training. I had no nothing to help me be a better boss. So I see that a lot of people are really good at the work that they do. And so then they're promoted into a role that they're ill-fitted for. It's not a good fit or not as good a fit as what they were doing as a maybe an individual contributor or a member of the team and maybe not even interested in doing. But there's this pull of the title, the additional income, you know, all of those things. And and yet companies are throwing people in there kind of without any training. It's like throw you in the deep end. So I'm sure that you're aware of the benefits of being on a cohesive, engaged team where the people enjoy coming to work every day. They operate at maximum efficiency. Some of those benefits include reduced stress. So you're going to be, you and the team members are going to be much less stressed out, of course, in that kind of an environment. There's going to be a reduced chance of illness. We all, I think, are very aware, and especially in in light of the pandemic, of the contributing factor of stress and burnout and all of those things to our physical health. And so we're much less likely to be, be get ill, to be exposed, to get sick if we are less stressed out and less burnout. There's a much greater chance for job satisfaction. So we're going to have a greater job satisfaction, which is going to increase our engagement at work, our productivity at work. We're going to have improved work relationships. And there's lots of research that's been done around the benefits of work relationships, positive work relationships. And then the improved potential to advance at work. So if all those other things are going on, those team members are going to be much more likely to get advancement opportunities at work or if they choose to leave the company to get a better paying, better, a higher title in another company. So here, what are the signs of some uh, that you might have a bad boss? (laughs) So number one, instructions are given as orders rather than a conversation among professionals. So there's this very top-down organizational structure. And I've seen this before where the boss, the the environment is such that when the boss sends out an edict or, you know, announces something in a meeting, everybody kind of looks at each other. They think it's a terrible idea or they, they dread it or whatever their reaction is, but they don't say a word. Now, of course, they speak amongst themselves as soon as that meeting is over, but they don't have a conversation among professionals because in all likelihood, they have tried that in the past and have been stomped on. So they know better than to bring up any dissenting opinion or just healthy conversation or, hey, help me to understand your decision-making process here, boss. No one feels the, the, the freedom and the ability to speak out. Number two, your boss constantly offers to show you the door if you don't like her decisions. So in this face of this kind of top-down leadership, 
she is very quick to say, if you don't like it, there's the door. So again, it's that authoritarian kind of mindset where, again, it may not be malicious, but it's in many cases, it's a boss who is very insecure about her role in the company and feels like, you know, she can't entertain other ideas or dissenting opinions because she has to be this, you know, all-knowing, all-seeing all authority. Number three, your boss does not listen to fresh new ideas because this is how it's always been done. So it's that ingrained culture of this is the way we've always done it. It's worked for us in the past. I don't want to hear your new fresh idea. I don't want to hear your new suggestions. Number four, your boss tells you that you're lucky to have a job. So anytime you get a boss who's, you know, his reaction to you saying, hey, what about this? Or, you know, asking a question, help me to understand why you're doing it this way, is perceived by the boss as being a threat to him. And his reaction, it's very defensive. It's, you should just be lucky you have a job. Like, don't question me. So again, we're all four of these so far have been all about that very authoritarian, top-down leadership style. Dictatorial, I think, is a good word to use here. There's no room for input, conversation, dissension, conversation about decisions and, and choices. Next, your boss either overtly or covertly discourages you from having life outside of work. Now, what does that mean? The the covert kind is, you know, we work eight to five here. That's what's that's what it says. That's what it maybe says in the I don't know the manual. Forty hours a week, whatever. But the culture is something very different than that. So while it's not written anywhere, you know that if you leave work before eight p.m. or if you don't do X, Y, and Z, you are going to be disadvantaged in some way. You are going to be on the chopping block in some way. The more overt ones, of course, are the ones where the boss is openly telling you, you know, how dare you try to leave work before eight o'clock? How dare you miss this thing? Next, your boss creates an atmosphere of fear, which I think we've kind of expressed that with all of these, right? You're afraid to innovate. You're afraid to be creative. You're afraid to, I hate the term, think outside the box, but really that's what we're talking about here. There's an atmosphere of fear of, of trying anything new. And I can tell you that that one, that lack of innovate, that fear to innovate, that fear to be creative is a organizational killer. It is a department killer and it is a career. It's a soul killer really is what it is. Next, your boss issues assignments, reorganizes workload, or makes decisions without explaining the thought process or reasons. So again, it gets back to that not questioning what I do, that top-down authoritarian. Like all of a sudden, you have new responsibilities. Some of your responsibilities have been taken away. And for some people... That's going to mean, what did I do wrong? That's the message they're going to be thinking, but they're not going to feel like they can go to the boss and say, what is your reason for doing this? Have I, you know, failed in some way? And so then they're, then they're very, you know, you then begin to question how you do everything, right? When you don't understand why you've been given new jobs, why you got this assignment instead of this person, or why you didn't get this assignment instead of this person, you're going to begin to question everything about your work performance. And that's, again, a, a soul killer. 
Another one is your boss keeps team members out of the loop. You don't have the information you need to do your job effectively. I've seen this one more times than I can count. Everything is very compartmentalized. The boss doesn't want everyone to know everything. The boss certainly doesn't want anything like cross-training to go on because he or she wants to be the be-all and know-all in the department. And again, it stems from fear that he is going to be, he's dispensable if other people can do his job. There's this fear that I have to hold all of the information in and all of the knowledge in because otherwise I could be I could be terminated. Next, the boss gossips empl- with employees uh, about other employees. This one is is huge, right? So if you get any any sense that the go- the boss is gossiping to other people about you or he's coming to you and gossiping about other people, that is a huge sign of a of a debilitating boss. The boss makes what should be private conversations or information public. Now, I've personally been the victim of this, where something that should have happened in my boss's office was covered in the the lobby for not only my other employees to hear, but for, you know, people using my center to hear. And that's that is so debilitating. And it is so it, it is it is demeaning and belittling and and then finally your boss punishes employees by taking juicy assignments away and replacing them with assignments no one else wants or busy work so you know that you're being punished so whereas the previous one was kind of reassigning workload and issuing assignments without telling you the reason this one is kind of you know that you're being punished like he's told you in writing or in person, you know, you didn't do a good job with this. I'm going to give it over here to somebody. I'm going to give you this busy work. I'm going to give you this assignment that feels like if he doesn't outright tell you, it feels like he wants you out the door. And so he's giving you the the poopy assignments. (laughs) Try to use a nice word there. He gives you the poopy assignments as a way to encourage you to leave. Now, what are the strategies that you can use to work around a debilitating boss. Number one, you want to determine your boss's motivations. Now, can you all, can you be 100% certain of this? Maybe not, but you can stop and think. And I, and I think this is one that's really helpful to talk to someone else who maybe knows your boss, but maybe doesn't know your boss at all. I find that when, for example, when my clients come to me and say, this is the behavior that my boss is exhibiting, I can ask questions and get a really good sense of what's going on with that boss, oftentimes much better than the employee can who's mired in that situation is maybe very emotional about that situation. But there's something very useful about thinking, oh, my boss is very insecure about her job. And when you can frame it and you have enough information to be maybe pretty sure that you're right about that, then it helps you to understand what she's doing and the choices that she's making. Next, identify your boss's triggers so you can avoid them. So let's just say that you've observed that one of your boss's triggers is if you're late into a meeting, you're late with an assignment, you're late in any way that that really sets her off, well, that's something you can mitigate. You can avoid putting yourself intentionally in those situations. Next, 
don't gossip with other employees about your boss. Now, this one's tricky, I know, because sometimes you need a valve. But what I recommend is that the valve that you find is outside of your company and outside of certainly outside of your department. So whether that's talking to a coach like me, you know, a business coach, a career coach, talking to a loved one, even talking, sometimes it requires therapy, but you're you're dealing with it not in a gossipy way, but in a, a problem-solving way and under, helping me to understand what's going on way. Next, if you can anticipate your boss's requests so that you can stay a step ahead. So this gets back to if you know kind of where your boss is going with someone something or what a trigger is going to be and you can stay one step ahead of that thing, you know, if you can recognize that when A happens, B always happens and B is not desirable for you, then what can you do to anticipate avoiding A or resolving A so that B doesn't happen? Next, focus on your boss's good qualities. This is a gratitude practice, right? So what does my, what am I grateful for about my employer, about my boss, about my work environment, about my job, all of those things? I'm going to stay focused on the positive. There is a time to problem solve with those negative things. But if it's the focus of your brain, it's going to affect your job. It's going to affect the, the way you experience your job and not in a good way. Next. And this one's a big one for me. Stop assuming that your boss knows or should know everything, right? So perhaps the issue, and I'll I'll give a personal experience. When I worked at Truman State University, initially, my office was in the back of the center. It was a really large center. And you had to go through another door to get to the door to my office. And I literally didn't know what was going on. We actually eventually fixed that. I had a door put directly into the hallway so that I had a view out into our lobby area where the students came in and got services and where kind of everything happened because I was clueless about what was happening and it created some dissension with my staff. And I remember if I said it once, I said it a hundred times, don't expect that I know what's going on. Like, tell me, I literally didn't know what was going on unless I went out there and parked myself in the lobby. And I did have better things to do than that. So don't assume that your boss knows about this bad behavior of a coworker or maybe, maybe the boss is someone that you can you know, let them know this is happening, or I see this with you. That's a very situational thing. But if you can just stop assuming that they know, that they're aware of how they're, maybe maybe you think they should know how they're treating you, or they should know how they're treating some other member of your team, or they should know X, Y, and Z. Don't assume that. It does not serve you to assume that they know that. Next. When your boss gives you an assignment, repeat back what you've heard to ensure clarity. So make sure there is no misunderstanding. And if you can get that in writing, that may serve you even better. Or I hate to say recording because then it sounds like you're doing something untoward. But get something physical to make sure that you're on the same page with your boss so that your boss literally doesn't have a, a leg to stand on when it comes to coming back to you and barking at you about how you didn't do something right, you can go back, not in a not in a negative way, but in a, okay, here's what you said. Here's what I said back to you. I'm confused as to why we're having a, you know, a disagreement here. Help me to understand. 
Next, focus on what you can do rather than what is out of your control. So as I mentioned earlier, it does not serve you to focus on the negative. It also doesn't serve to focus on what is out of your control, what, you know, what, how to change your boss's behavior. You can't do that. So what can you do? What is within your control to affect change on? Next, understand why you're so upset. So sometimes this behavior maybe isn't upsetting other people as much as it is you. So why is this a trigger for you? And how can you work on that within yourself to not be as triggered by this behavior or action that the boss is taking? Set boundaries with your boss. So sometimes it's a matter of sitting down and saying, I just want to let you know that if you, you know, send me a a text message or an email after 6 p.m., I will respond by 10 a.m. the next morning. Now, that has to happen in kind of a negotiation phase. You don't get to go in there and say, blah, blah. But it can also be, you know, going back to your job description or going back to an agreement that was made earlier that you repeated back and said, here's what I understand. You know, here's what you said to me before, you know, Help me to understand your expectations about responding to emails. And it could very well be, and I've had this happen so many times with clients, where they assume that because the boss texted them at 9 p.m. that they were supposed to respond by 9.01 p.m. When they had the conversation, the boss said, you know what, I work late and I need to send it while I'm thinking about it. I have no desire that you respond to me right away. You know, the next day is fine. Now, we can argue that the boss shouldn't send it at nine o'clock if she doesn't want you to respond by 901. And ideally, she would have had that conversation with you. But let's say she didn't. You're making an assumption that you can resolve by having that conversation and setting those boundaries. And, and, and it, it may not be so much as setting boundaries, but just coming to an agreement about the rules. And then finally, Set up a a time to have a frank conversation with your boss about whatever this issue is. You want to plan what you're going to say ahead of time. Maybe practice with a trusted friend, someone like a coach. Here's what I'm going to say. You know, you play the role of my boss. Here's the kind of things that she typically, how she typically responds. This is kind of the character I want you to play. I'm going to present my argument or my suggestion or my question or whatever it is. And let's see how this plays out. So I hope this given given you some ideas for dealing with a debilitating boss, recognizing what you can do, how you can empower yourself in these situations to be less powerless and less helpless in these situations. I hope that's been helpful. Take care and I'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Exclusive Career Coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. It would be great if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, I want to be your career coach, so be sure to ask questions about your career management challenges and job search situation. Until next time.